So it was an interesting Friday at the NFL Combine. You finally, in terms of prospects, right? Because I think like the first few days now is almost like a reality TV show of what GMs are talking, what head coaches are talking, what rumors are coming out of the Combine. But now receivers are talking, or some of them are not talking in the case of Marvin Harrison Jr. Quarterbacks are talking and working out in the case of a lot of quarterbacks not working out. But now is where, like, if you care about the Combine and you just care about the NFL in general and the next wave of talent, this is really where it kind of ratchets up to its peak in terms of, of Combine fun. And I thought one thing we learned today told us a lot about when it comes to Caleb Williams. I am all in on Caleb Williams. I think this is a guy that's going to uh, live up to the hype. I think he, to me, is someone that's going to push Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback five years from now in the NFL. I think he checks every box you want. He's a guy that is accurate, is a playmaker, sick arm, can run out of the pocket, throw on the run as well. Um, he like To me, he checks every single box you need. We saw that, obviously, physically watching him at USC. But I think we also watched him check a huge mental box, in my opinion, today with what he did at the Combine. So in case you missed it, Caleb uh, Williams made history, if you want to call it that, um, earlier today. Caleb Williams, according to reporters, again, all unofficial because who is really keeping track of all this? Because in the end, us as fans don't really care. But no one else has really done it before, so we'll say he's the first. Caleb Williams is the first player in NFL Combine history to attend the Combine, to talk to the media, but not go get his medicals done. Go get a physical, get a body scan, a few other things. I'm not sure exactly what they do, but I'm sure it's not an enjoyable experience. He is the first person that has not gotten their medicals done. And we had Rick Spielman on um, last hour, Heck at Night podcast. Uh, check it out in case you missed Rick. He was awesome giving us his perspective. He talked about the most important part of the combine are the medicals. It's not the 40, it's not the throwing drills or you know the long jump. It is the medical history. Looking at these guys, seeing how their bodies are right now as they come to the NFL. And so Caleb Williams is basically thumbing his nose at the most important part of the combine. Why I'm impressed with that. Why I come away more convinced than ever that he is going to be a star in this league is not because he skipped the medicals. It's two things. It's number one, he made a decision that he knew was unpopular but then he also made that decision and faced the music. I think, again, making a decision where he realized there's no benefit of me skipping the medicals. No benefit. Teams are going to be upset. Media is going to question it. No one else has done it, so he's breaking from the norm. Anytime anyone breaks from the norm, it's a question. People come at you. Why are you doing this? Why, why just fall in line? Do whatever what everyone else has done. Why do you got to be different? It's not just the fact that he's not afraid to be different. It's also the fact that while not being afraid to be different, he's also facing the noise. He could have easily announced he's not going through with the physical after he met with the media. He's one of the first ones early this morning meeting with the media. He could have easily held that announcement until after his media obligations were over, and then he'd have to worry about answering any of them. Instead, he gave that report out, or I guess told teams, hey, I'm not I'm not doing anything medically. Why? I'm not doing anything medically, I should say. And then met with the media. So the media knew right away this guy's not testing. 
this guy's not, you know, going through the process. And so questions were asked. I respect and appreciate the fact that this guy is not afraid to face criticism and face it head on. That, to me, is part of what makes players great. Like this week especially, right? We talk a lot about the physical skills. 40-yard dash, how much you bench press and how fast are you running, right? Like everything this week in Indy is all about what you do physically. But what we don't talk about enough, I think, when it comes to figuring out what quarterbacks have it and who don't, we don't talk enough about the mental aspect of the game. Are you mentally tough? Can you overcome adversity? Can you plow through no's and not allow those to impact you? Can you just be secure in yourself where you don't allow outside factors to influence your decision-making? That's not a lot of... We don't talk about that, right? We're not talking on CBS Sports Radio about, is this guy mentally tough enough, especially coming out of college, to see if the mental aptitude to read a defense, to face adversity, to be the face of a franchise. We've seen plenty of players change once they get fame. They don't know how to handle it. The great ones in the league are prepared for it and don't let that impact how they go with their daily lives. We don't talk enough about mental, the mental aspect when it comes to greatness. And that's what I thought Caleb Williams displayed today in Indy. He made a, uh, made a decision. Did not benefit him. But he was man enough to sit there and say, I'm making this decision for me. I'm not going to allow the fact that every other prospect that has come through Indy for decades, they've all done it. I don't want to do it. So I'm not going to just do it just because everyone else has done it. And also, I'm going to answer questions. I'm not going to shy away from the criticism and the noise that's going to be directed at me for this decision. That, to me, is signs of the mental greatness, the mental makeup you need to have in order to be an all-time great. Like, we are talking about Caleb Williams, not just as a pretty good quarterback, as a franchise quarterback. We are talking about him potentially being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Surpassing Mahomes. Physically, we could see that. But I think now we just saw on Friday, mentally, He's ready for that as well. He's not allowing the outside noise to influence his decision-making. I said it before. I don't think mentally we give that enough credence. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't do one thing physically superior than any other quarterback during his time. He is not the GOAT, did not win six Super Bowls because of his arm strength, because of his mobility especially. But he won, I would argue, from just his ability to be a quick decision maker and his sheer will to win. You want to call it competitiveness, sheer will, whatever. Whatever, we could talk about it. But he did whatever it takes to win. Like mentally, he was there and it made up for, again, the, we'll say, average physical traits that he had. Joe Burrow. Why does everyone love Joe Burrow? Joe Cool. Because this is a guy that does not get faced. Going to Arrowhead in a playoff game, he doesn't care. He's Joe Cool. He has that mental edge where he has confidence. He knows he doesn't have to talk a big game. But he's also confident in himself enough to realize nothing is too big for me. And I think you see a lot of quarterbacks, one way or another, not mentally, be capable 
of handling that or handling greatness. And I think when you are out here willingly going into the storm, again, it's easy. It would have been easy for Caleb Williams to hide. How many times have we we seen players, coaches, executives, like, talk to the media, everything's all well, and then 20 minutes later, once the media session's over, oh, yeah, by the way, here's some bad news. Uh, Johnny's out for the year. Oh, oh yeah, we, you know, we're not going to spend any more money. Like, whatever it is. So many teams do that where they wait for an opportunity where they don't have to talk or face the music to give their, you know, give the bad news, right? Friday news dump is a real term for a real reason because people think, oh, let's put the bad news out on Friday afternoon when no one's paying attention and we can have the least blowback. No one wants to face criticism. The great ones do. And that's what I think Caleb Williams, to me at least, displayed on Friday. In making a decision that nobody in the history of the combine has made before, but also facing the music as well. Greatness isn't ordinary. Greatness isn't wanting to be ordinary. So Caleb Williams falling in line to me would have just been yeah, he's going about it, whatever he wants to do. He's not afraid to be different. Those are the ones that I think, to me, truly stand out, and those are the ones we talk about 10, 15, 20, 25 years after they retire. I give Caleb Williams a lot of credit. He did, though, explain... He was on Pro Football Talk um, this morning after meeting the media and kind of explained a little bit more his decision why he does not want his medicals to be taken. Take a listen. Look, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the merits of if he should have gotten the physical or not. I have no idea. Uh, Truly, I I don't know if there's anything to hide. I have no idea if if it is a benefit or not to just only let a certain amount of teams know what your medical history is. I don't know. But here's what I do know. He just said it at the beginning of that clip. It's what it's about when he's talking about, you know, when you deviate from the norm. Again, making this decision, there's no positives for Caleb Williams. He's facing the criticism from the media, and he has to meet with these teams. They're going to be PO'd of why are, like, this is why you're here. We want your medical history. Why can't you give that to us? He has to have a man-to-man conversation with people that are trying to hire him, essentially, right? You're trying to sell yourself in a way um, for them to pick you. You now have to have a man-to-man conversation in a spot where, in theory, you have no power of why you made that decision. The weak ones don't make that decision. I give Caleb Williams a lot of credit. I think, to me, he's man enough to make that decision, face the noise, and then explain like an adult why he made that made that choice. You can agree or disagree if it's the right choice. That's not what I'm talking about here. But the decision alone to make that call, do something no one else has done, spit in the face of 75% of the league saying, you're not drafting me, so piss off. You're not getting my medicals. Nothing to gain. Self-confidence, though. And I to me, that confidence, that belief in yourself, that unwaver, like, lack of fear, I should say, in terms of facing criticism, is I think why he's going to be great. Also, I think he's going to be great, along with the mindset, is the fact of what he's trying to chase. You'll hear here in a second, but, I mean, I I don't think this is just like PR shtick, where it's like, okay, you're going to get drafted by the Bears, so let's just now start, you know, hyping up other things around Chicago. I don't think it's a coincidence will say that he's talking about Michael Jordan and comps to that. I truly believe him. 
Like you watch him at USC and how he's conducted himself. Everything he has done has been about winning. He's never been a prima donna. He's never been dramatic. He's never been, let me go out on a Friday night before a game and, you know, be seen and have that impact my play. He's never been a distraction. And so I truly believe him when he talks about like his ultimate goal is being like Michael Jordan for, for football, which is what? Which is being immortalized. Like not just going down as a great, going down as an all-time great, the best, and one of the best to ever do it in any sport. That's what Caleb Williams is chasing. You can hear him right now. He was asked about this earlier today. Uh, and you can hear his reasoning as to why he's chasing the GOAT, MJ. Reach certain points like MJ status. That I mean, we could sit here and talk about what? LeBron's, I would say, in that category. Tom Brady's in that category. Mahomes is rising into that category. Not a lot of players in that stratosphere of like all-time greatness. And you look at, I think, everything so far that he's done, everything's been winning. He's never been a problem. He's never been a distraction. I never understood why people are looking at him when he was crying in his mom's arms after losing to Washington, why that was a negative? I look at that's a positive to me. He wants to win so bad. USC season was over by the time they played Washington. Washington was a top five team in the country looking to win the Pac 12 and go to the college football playoff. USC was not supposed to win that game. USC was honestly not supposed to be competitive in that game. And they were competitive. I think it was like 49 42, or maybe even Washington got in the 50s. Like it was a, a great game. Great game. But the only reason USC had a shot in hell was because of Caleb Williams. He wasn't sitting there saying, oh, we're, we probably don't have to, we're not, not going to win, but hey, if we're close, that's a win. He didn't take being within seven points of Washington as like, okay, that's a moral victory. He wants to win and won't accept anything less. That is all-time greatness like of a mindset. He has the physical tools. I think what he displayed on Friday also showed the mental makeup you need in order to be an all-time great. Caleb Williams to me is bust-proof. This guy is the absolute real deal, and he's going to show it five years from now, I promise you. He will be pushing Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback in the NFL. Lock it up. Lock it up. Write it down. Clip the audio. Whatever you want to do. Save this video. Save this audio. Caleb Williams, in five years from now, will be pushing Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback in the league. I think he's bust-proof. If you disagree, if you are concerned about Caleb Williams, not sold the way I am about Caleb Williams, 855-212-4227. Tell me what you see that I don't. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people. At O'Reilly Auto Parts. I want to hear your thoughts. If you disagree, if you are not as high in Caleb Williams as I am, tell me why I am wrong. Tell me what concerns you that I clearly do not see. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. We will get your thoughts. And also when we return, this is a quarterback, uh, or I should say a draft at quarterback that's deeper than just Caleb Williams. I got two other quarterbacks. I think will be really good franchise guys here for the next decade. Tell you those two who uh, who I'm believing in when we do return. Ryan Hickey and for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio.
We appreciate you listening. Thank you for listening. Right here on CBS Sports Radio, especially to JR Sport Brief, who, as you can tell by the voice, is a force not here. His voice is shot. It must be that New York air comes up for one show, and now, unfortunately, JR has lost his voice. So Ryan Hickey in for JR today. Hopefully, we'll be back on Monday sounding fresh, sounding better than ever, um, and ready to go for a big time Monday show. But thank you for spending your Friday night with us here um, on CBS Sports Radio. Talking Caleb Williams. Excuse me. Sorry. I have I've been fighting like a cold the last like, week and a half, and now it's transpired from a sore throat to a runny nose, and now I've developed some like a mini cough over the last three hours, three, four hours or so. So fighting that, apologize. Thank you for your patience. As you push past right now my uh, sickness, if you will. But with Caleb Williams, like I, for me, think he is bust-proof. I think he's hitting absolutely. Two other quarterbacks, I think, are that are going to be franchise guys. Not to the same level as Caleb Williams, but I think are going to be like really good quarterbacks for their team the next decade. Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. For me, Penix is like a better version of Tua Tungvaloa in the sense that he's accurate. He's like a, a point guard. We can just get the ball out fast and knows where he's very decisive on where to go with the ball. Has a great arm, great deep ball. But unlike two of the biggest separator for me is the fact that he plays his best football in the biggest games of the season. Oregon, he's faced three times in two years at Washington. He's faced Utah. He's faced um, USC. He's faced Texas in the college football playoff. He has played his best football in the biggest games. I value that. I, I, I want a quarterback that saves their best for the biggest moments. I don't want a Tua that can carve up the uh, the Panthers in week six, but when you need a game at home against the Bills, week 18 can't come through for you. That's frustrating. That's to me like you don't have a quarterback. Because if you don't if you can't play well in the big game, what's the point? Penix to me checks the box of plays well in the big game, accurate, good decision maker, great deep ball. Sure, there's concern, uh, some concern with his injury history, but I think, too, if you, you put him in a spot where he's well-protected, I think he's going to carve you up from the pocket and be a playoff-caliber quarterback. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to win you a Super Bowl. But what I feel confident in saying is that if your team drafts Michael Penix Jr., you'll be in the playoffs every year. You'll be a perennial playoff team each and every season with Penix as your quarterback. I'm in on him. And with Bo Nix, this is contingent. On him going to the right team. Like, I look at a few teams like the Vikings, where especially if they want to bring back Kirk Cousins for, you know, short-term um, stead, and he sits for behind Kirk for a year or two. Like, you go to Minnesota. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Now the cough's getting worse. Great. Just what we need here. Minnesota, Atlanta, Seattle. Like, those are places where they have a lot of talent, where if he can land there, I think he could be like Brock Purdy 2.0. Good offensive line, good receivers. He is absolutely good enough to pick up, you know, and carry this team to consistently make in the playoffs. He's a guy that's has a lot of experience and has gotten better in each of his five years, whether it's at Auburn or Oregon. I, I like Bonix. I think to me he's like the I don't want to say the steal of the draft, but like he to me feels like the most like overlooked quarterback in this draft where he's not going to go in round number one, which honestly is maybe a benefit to him. 
go round two, get in a better landing spot with a better equipped team that's ready, you know, to win with good weapons instead of going to a team like the Patriots, who right now have nothing on offense and have no real hope whatsoever. Go to a team with weapons. If you got to sit for a year or two, okay. But he's someone that I think can really develop to be like a Brock Purdy 2.0. And all of a sudden you're sitting there saying, oh, Bo Nix, this guy is right now leading his team to the playoffs, and this guy we feel really good about. Nix Penix, two guys outside of Caleb I feel really, really strong about. 855-212-4227. Obviously, those two guys are behind Caleb Williams, who I feel very strong about. I've called him before in this show, Bust Proof. I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit big time here. If you have your doubts about Caleb Williams, if you are not on board the way I am and have concerns about the USC quarterback, 855-212-4227, why should I not be as high on Caleb Williams as I am? Brent is calling from Wisconsin. What's up, Brent? Hey, man. I just I just don't see it. I uh, love the show. You know, I'm, I have my worries. He played a Big 12 defense. He played a Pac-12 defense. Put up big numbers. I give you that. He looks talented. Who did he play? I, I just don't see it. I think he's going to be a bust. I, you say bust proof. I say it. Don't pick him. Don't pick him. Wow. How like so? Bears no at number one. Commanders. I don't think so. Would you take him if you're the Commanders? I do like the Commanders better. I mean, his D.C. boy, I get it. He's probably going to be good. Maybe not a bust, but he's going to be okay. But I don't think I can take him as the Bears. I like the D.C. connection more than anything. All right. Thank you, Brent. appreciate the call. This is, this is what I'll say about in terms of if you want to talk about competition. Who did he play? What defense did he play? Number one, if you look at the defense in the Pac-12, the defenses were actually really good this year. Pac-12 had really good defenses. Utah, Oregon State. Um, Arizona, like the defenses that Oregon, um, the Pac-12. Now I know USC didn't play Oregon this year, so that you know, maybe is a moot point. I know I take that back. They did. They did play them. Um, the Pac-12 defenses historically not very good. They were very good this year. Number one, number two, that argument to me loses since Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was in the Big Twelve. He came from a conference where it was widely believed before he was drafted that no quarterback. Drafted from the Big 12 would succeed in part because they play too wide open. The defenses are too bad. And obviously Mahomes had no trouble coming to the NFL and adjusting. So I think that goes out the window of, oh, who did he play? He didn't play any good defenses. Sure, he put up big numbers and won a Heisman Trophy. But hey, he played nobody. I think that argument now has been proven to be wrong just from the pure fact of what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes coming from an even worse defensive conference in the Big 12 compared to the Pac-12. Dave's call from Alabama. What's up, Dave? Listen, man, it's all about character. problem okay. I've got with Caleb Williams is two years ago he lost to Utah. Utah knocked him out of the playoffs. And what did he go out and have tattooed on his fingers? Utah on one hand. Yeah, please don't say the other word. Starts with an F sorry? No, I said please just don't say the other word on his other hand. That's right. My my problem with this guy is, I just don't see it, man. I mean, why why was you? It's not about Utah beating you. It's about well, you know what? You didn't do what you had to do to do it. You didn't. That's what Nick Saban says. I'm a Georgia guy living in Birmingham. Okay, so I don't see it. 
Jaden Daniels, to me, had the best quarterback rating in the country, period. End of discussion. He almost won games by himself. Right. Well, and so, did, so did Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams put up big numbers against inferior teams, but when he played, look at him down the stretch. What happened this year? What the team sucked, and look he how he did. played. He played great. The team, the team lost games because they couldn't block anyone. Dave, they had he you had and me blocking five for interceptions him. in the last four games. Did you the watch the games? Or are you just reading the box score? Did I watch the games? I've watched the games. I've looked at the stats. The guy did not perform down the stretch. His he team sucks. He's a finger pointer. That's who he when is. When did he blame but anybody? You're an LA guy. You like the guy. I'm from like New it. York City, Dave. This is another dude where right, I'm from. How about this? What do you I have been to the West Coast years? like three times no, no, in my no. life. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. What did you just say? You said in five years he will do what? He'll push Patrick Holmes to be the best not, quarterback not in the NFL. Finish. You don't sign somebody number one overall hoping in five years he'll do something. He better do something in the first two or three years, not five years. Did you, you know what? Okay, this is what uh, – Dave, I'm going to let you go because you, you clearly don't listen. Pushing Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback in five years is not enough? That that you got to show that in year one or two. What are you talking about? And again, if you want to criticize Caleb Williams, can we watch the games, please? USC sucked. They had no offensive line, and they had somehow a worse defense in 2023 than they did in, in Caleb Williams' first year there in 2022. They didn't lose a game because of Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams had one bad half against Notre Dame. Three interceptions, he was horrible. Outside of that, look at every single game he's played and lost. The offense has never been the problem. You want to talk about the fingernail painting against Utah? Number one, he was great in that game. He hurt his hamstring and literally could not run. He went up and down the field in the first quarter against Utah's great defense, popped a hamstring, and literally was immobile. I'm going to go on a limb here. Not being able to run and having one leg basically tied down to the ground is going to impact how you play. They didn't lose because he painted his fingernails. It, honestly, he was going to look like a god. He was about to paint his fingernails, F Utah, and then go out there and lay a 50 spot on him. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Impacted the rest of the game. That's also, you like, I don't look at the fingernail, to me, thing as like a character issue. He's never someone who pointed fingers. I've never heard him one time in a press conference say, I was great, but the offensive line sucked. Receivers dropped the ball. Go, go find it. Dave, anybody. Please. I am on Twitter. I am very accessible. Email, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Find the audio. Anytime in Caleb Williams' three-year career at Oklahoma or USC where he blamed one person. Call the show. Call the show and play the audio. It may be terrible. But it's not going to happen because you can't find it because it never happened. Don't say things that are not true or that you can't back up. If you're just worried because so many quarterbacks have been hyped and have not followed through, okay, say that. Don't make up things about character that are not true. Don't try to tell me that he's that the 7-5 USC record is why he sucked. Again, look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes never went better than 8-5 at, at Texas Tech. We never talked. No one knew about Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas that in part because no one watched their games because they were never any good. The biggest game we watched was him and Baker Mayfield having like a 70 to 65 shootout because neither defense could get a stop. Otherwise, Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury and Mahomes were an afterthought every single year. 
Did Patrick Mahomes, did the, or I should say, did the Texas Tech record indicate how good or bad of a quarterback Patrick Mahomes is? Clearly not. Clearly not. Let's not make up fake stats or let's not direct attention to things that are just flat out wrong. That's the most frustrating part about at least this draft process with all the time we have. Feels like we just get bored of talking about the same thing, so let's just, ah, his character sucks. Ah, he's a finger pointer. How? Well, he just blames everybody else. When he did that, I, uh, no answer. Very frustrating. All right, we will return here um, very shortly. I have some really eye-opening audio. The state of college football has, I mean, it's been in flux now, right, for the last few years. Um, Trent Dilfer, UAB head coach, current head coach of a group of five team, had a fascinating and I think eye-opening take on the on where college football is headed. I'll play that for you when we do return here. But before that, Marco Blade is here doing the updates as always. Marco, I need, I don't know if this happened to you a lot. This happened to me today, and it's happened before, but I don't know why it really bothered me today. It pisses me off. Okay. You, I'm assuming, have gone through a revolving door before, correct? Yes. Have you ever noticed if you and another person go in at the same time, the other person would just stop, like, put no effort in? Yeah, that happens a lot. It's the most frustrating. I have not, I maybe just not noticed for a while, but today I was going into Target. And I, like, saw someone. I was walking in there, walking out, revolving door. And I saw them almost feel like make an effort to, because they saw me walking in, like, make an effort to get in mm-hmm. the door. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, like, whatever. Yeah. Easy. Both of us are pushing. It's easy. Like I'm, a child. Push me through. I'm sitting there, like, this, and those, some of those revolving doors, I don't know if it's lack of grease, um, they're just heavy, like, they could be heavy to push. And I'm sitting there like, what am I doing? Like, this is not a free ride here. And it's, it's, it drove me up a wall. It is beyond, like, the person made an effort to get in there knowing they're about to get a free ride and just mm-hmm, went with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, Maddening. Yeah, um, I'm of the belief of, I don't, I don't really like a lot of people and I don't trust them. So automatically I'm going to be the one that does the pushing. So I'm not concerned with whether or not you're helping me out. I don't look at it as the free ride. I look at it as either way I have to do it. And I don't want to concern myself with you because if I do, then it's going to mess my day up. See, I guess one thing about me, I take a lot of things personally. Mm. Like for example, and sort of similar, but not really the subway fares. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to pay two ninety to ride the subway here in New York city. Mm-hmm. A lot of people jump the subway or wait yeah. by the door to open up and just walk in for free. Yep. I take that personally from like, oh, you think you're better than me where you don't have to pay two ninety, but I do? <laughs> like, F you. I like it's a problem. You tackling people in the subway? No, I I'm I don't no? get involved. I say it all in my head. I don't even say this out loud. <laughs> and I I've re- yeah. So and I hate to say it, especially at night, late at night if it's not crowded and someone's by the door, I'm like, I'll do it. Because I'll open the door for them and just hate myself. Because I'm like, if I don't, and someone else gets them in, like, what if they try to attack me? So, well, you always got to worry about that in New York City subway. Yes, psych- there are psychos out there. So, yes. so, you know what? Fine, I'll just. It's not I'll, worth two ninety. No, no, it's not. But, but if somebody on a platform at like one o'clock in the morning, it's not right. worth it. Well, yeah, when I leave, yes, Sunday <laughs> night when I leave it. here at two a.m. <laughs> it's not worth it, man. And it's me and one other deranged man who's asking to get in. Let me tell you, fine, you're you're in, buddy. Yeah. Three bucks you, ain't worth it. Sorry, man. And the subways come like 12 minutes apart. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm sitting there for a while. It's not like, oh, the subway's coming and I'm going to see you never. I'll be on that platform <laughs> for a while and there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll let you in. But that like that like gets me so annoyed. Like, why can't you just be like everybody else? Why can't you just pay the toll? And why can't, if you're in a robbing door, just push like any other person would? You're 100% correct. Here's the thing, though, that I, I would say that you need to adopt. Don't expect anything from anyone. 
That's the problem. You expect people to be, you said like everyone else, you think too highly of everyone. That's the problem. We, we can't be that far gone of a society. We, we can't be that low. You know, I, I always think back to the famous George Carlin line. This one always kind of stuck with me. When he always said, think about the average person. And the average person, just think about how stupid they are. 50% of the people are dumber than that. So you think about how dumb the average person is, and 50% of the people are dumber than that. There's, there you go. It's a lot of people. So you, you really, you, your level is just way too high for people. I think that's the problem. You think too highly of everyone. That, that's the issue. Think lower. I, I guess, you know what, maybe, maybe it's a me problem. Wow, I never thought about it. It's like probably that. not. See, this is where I come into to play in my demented mind. I assume everyone's like at the lowest level. So if you do something that surprises me, I'm almost kind of like, huh, you're a halfway decent person. Good for you. I assume the worst in everyone. And it makes me a little bit more sane. I think you just think too highly of everyone. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'll just take, there's like a pull door as well. Like there's like two revolving doors and a pull door. Maybe I'll just go through the pull door now. Save the, save the stress. I do that downstairs at our building. I, I try to avoid the revolving door as much as possible. Why? Um, usually because when I'm coming in, it's like a wave of people coming out. And the wave of people coming out through the revolving door, because I come in when people are going home, it's almost like they're animals trying to get out and they try to squeeze through. It's almost like two want to go through the revolving door at the same time. I don't want to be involved in the cattle. I'll go to the side door. Thank you. Wait, do you have to go? Wait, but you're like, you're not, you're going the opposite way. So in theory, you should walk right in because they're coming out. And they're, but they don't want, you know, you kind of have to wait. It's one person as a, as a time. They don't want to do that. It feels like they're coming through. Like they're, they're trying to, you know, so the memes where everybody will like the Cowboys game starts and everybody goes in for like the standing on room only. That's what it feels like. Everybody coming out of our building when they're going home and I'm trying to come in. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm going to go through the side door. I've noticed people on the other side too. Like if I'm in, like they'll wait till I'm out to walk in the revolving door. I never understood that either. At least you're not getting a free ride from me, but it's like almost like, it's like a two per, it's a two person. It's almost like learning how to merge when you're driving in traffic. Most people can't, Grasp that concept, which is why we wind up with fender benders when you're doing three miles an hour. And you're like, what, what is the problem? You go, I go, he goes. I mean, there's a line. We've done this in grade school. No, that's the same problem with a revolving door. You're either hesitant or you're too aggressive. That's where everybody is. So now I've learned this and I just stay clear of all of this. I, I'm telling you, man, everybody is just right. not like, that bright. Is, I mean, the fact that it's a simple revolving door and people can't manage it. Maybe you are right. Maybe you give we're... people too much credit, man. That's the problem. We are screwed, man. I mean, thank God we're, we're on this earth now, so anything we do, you know, will be long gone by the time we have to actually pay the consequences for that. But boy, oh boy, our, the future is... Well, I mean, we always knew that. I'm just trying to get through the day. So to keep my sanity, I'm so. going to just assume Jeez. you're an idiot, and I'm going to steer clear. That's, you know what? That's Prove your, me wrong. Your Friday night advice right there from Marco Belletti. Assume everyone is stupid. Think they are 10 times dumber than you. If you're dumb, then think they 20 times dumber than you. And maybe that's the key to maybe that's the key to happiness and the key to having a good life. If you assume nothing from well, everyone around you, I, I don't want to throw happiness. Then out there. all of a sudden, you this know, this is about survival. I don't know about happiness. Jeez, Some survival. Back to the happiness is a stretch. The uh, it's a stretch. The Anderthal days. Survival. Hoping to get a little fire in the corner there, maybe kill an elk and call it a night. Uh, survival. Just Jeez. getting through the day, man. It's the JR Sport Brief Show. Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Friday. Appreciate you making us a part of it. So college football, right, we know, is going through a lot of changes. We have the 12-team college football playoff this year. 
already talking about potential different uh, different expansion formats in 2026. Everything right now is in flux. And I thought it was really fascinating. You had on Cole uh, Kubelik and, and McElroy in the morning. Cole Kubelik, Greg McElroy uh, hosts a show, Jocks FM, down there in Birmingham, Alabama. They had UAB head coach Trent Dilfer on the show today. Current group of five head coach. Hear him talk about right now the future of college football and the timeline. He thinks it's going to happen. I think, one, I honestly don't disagree with this timeline. I mean, look at right now the college football playoff. Look at these proposals, the Big Ten, the SEC trying to throw their weight around, automatic qualifiers, first and and second round buys, all this other crap, 14-team, 16-team playoff expansion. Like, I'm with Trent. I agree a breakaway has to happen. I think a 50-60 to team league, basically let's just call it I know it's the Power 4 now, but let's just call it the Power 5. I think that is what's in the best interest of college football moving forward. You can't have a league where UAB, no disrespect, but UAB and Alabama are competing for the same thing. They are too, like, UAB is never going to get on Alabama's level or Georgia's level. Why they're in the same league competing for the same championship doesn't make any sense to me. They don't have the same funding. They don't have the same facilities. Nothing is the same outside of being in the same state and technically the same league. FBS with UAB and Alabama. Why can't we acknowledge and recognize a different league has to form with schools that are financially similar? I think that's coming. I do think Trent Dilfer is right where in the next two years it's happening in part because of that is when the college football playoff current contract expires and it makes it makes now... It just makes it a cleaner breakaway when you have an exit point. I think that's what we're going to see. We'll talk more about that on Sunday shows. We are unfortunately out of time here on this Friday. I am back, though, Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. Check it out, Hick at Night, right here on the same CBS Sports radio stations. Hope to talk to you then. A big, big thank you to Alex's arm doing a great job producing tonight. A big thank you to Rick Spielman for joining us as well. A big thank you to you for joining us and making us a part of your Friday. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere. Bart Winkler is up next. This has been the JR Sport Brief Show with Ryan Hickey filling in right here on CBS Sports Radio.